Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands and give God praise one more time in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Every praise belongs to God. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be turning over to the book of Exodus chapter 33, and verse number 9. Praise God. Exodus chapter 33 and verse number 9. It's good to have everybody in the house of the Lord with us here today. And uh, it's just been so good to be back with you all and worshiping God together. And uh, thankful for what God's been doing. And uh, great, powerful service we had on Sunday. And uh, several, several visitors, and I'm just looking forward to it. Uh, I talked to Evangelist Poindexter, and he was telling me about uh, another church that a couple months ago, uh, their state lifted restrictions, and uh, one of the first states to do it. And the church that he had, uh, pastor he knew and he was talking to, they, they had uh, kind of stayed around the 200, uh, 250 mark, uh, and not, not, a, not a ton of visitors. But they said as soon as the restrictions had been lifted and people felt comfortable to come back, they said they've been having about 100 visitors. And so revival is just right around the corner. And uh, we got to take advantage of this opportunity where people, uh, they're starting to come out of their shells and they're ready to be in the house of the Lord. So let's make sure we're inviting people and uh, just take some cards with you and just be telling people about Jesus. And, and uh, you know, it's one of those things where if they don't feel to come yet, they're not ready. Uh, at least they got a card for the future, but there's many people that are just, they've been ready, amped, and ready to go, uh, and they just are waiting for an invitation in Jesus' name. So let's, let's be the light of the world. Amen. Praise God. Exodus chapter 33 in verse number 9. The Bible says, And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended, and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. Continuing on, the Bible says, And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose up and worshipped, every man in his tent door. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And uh, I, I feel to preach, and I've been teaching a lot about prayer. And I feel over the next several weeks to be preaching about prayer. And I want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject. Content with the tent. Content with the tent. Would you set down your Bibles and lift up your voices as we pray all across this house. Come on, somebody lift up your voice and magnify him. God, we love you. We worship you, Jesus. I want to be content with the tent of the Lord. Hallelujah. We give you praise and glory, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let this word get into every mind and into every heart. In the name of Jesus Christ, we give you praise. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord one more time. Hallelujah. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. In Jesus' name. Content with the tent. 
ever since I got saved, as I begin to read through the Bible, there's been a few things that have really intrigued me, several stories that have kind of leapt out at me, and there's been many principles that I've kind of latched onto, and, and, and I feel like no matter how much I try, I just cannot plumb the depths of it. And one of those ideas is the transition of Moses and Joshua. How, how I, I understand that God could raise somebody up like Moses, bring people up out of the land of bondage. But then there's this idea of transition that has always intrigued me. How do you continue and keep fervency and passion? How does, how does one or how does God know the right individual to choose for that succession? Somebody once put it this way. If there is no succession, there is no success. And it's always intrigued me what it was that made Joshua become the next leader of Israel. As a young man myself, I've always thought, God, they, you have raised up a previous generation, and they have done mighty exploits. They've done great things for God. But when it comes time for my generation to step in, what exactly are you looking for from us? And I've thought to myself many times, God, what is it that you would want from the next generation, whether it be in a, an age bracket or whether it be the next generation of Pentecost, those that come into the church, though they may have lived many, many years in the world. So I've pondered this question many times. What was it that made Joshua become the next leader? What was it in Joshua's life that allowed him to step forward and become the tip of the spear for the next wave and the next move of God. I want to just say here for a moment, I thank God for every move of His Spirit that has happened up until this point. Amen. I thank God for the day of Pentecost. I thank God, amen, for every revival across this known world. I thank God for the early 1900s Azusa Street Revival that God poured out His Spirit again upon all flesh. I thank God that in the 50s there were brush arbors and God moved in a mighty way. I thank God that in the 70s and 80s there were missionaries sent all across this world. Amen. People got a resurgence of that. I thank God that in the 90s uh, there was a resurgence of home missions and people got a burden to go and to win their cities and to win their states. Amen. I thank God for a moving in the 2000s of the evangelist that started moving again across, amen, our world, that there were evangelists answering the call. Amen. I, I, I want to thank God for every previous move of God, but I want to say, God, we are ready for another moving of your spirit in this generation. Praise God. I don't know about you, but in 2020 and in the future decades, I don't know what the next move is going to be, what the next wave is going to be, but I want to be on the forefront. I want Apostolic Revival Center to be at the tip of the spear in whatever God's doing in our world. Somebody clap your hands and love him in the name of Jesus.
I want to make sure that I've got the right character. I want to make sure that we've got the right stuff, that we've prepared ourselves. And so I look at Joshua as being one that, that he came out of Egypt just like everybody else. And so it wasn't much difference between Joshua and the person next to Joshua. If you look at his testimony, they all came out of the land of Egypt. And some would say, well, there was something different about him. He was a spy. And uh, I would say that I agree with that. He was a spy. He was trusted by Moses to go out into the land of promise, amen, to look for what could be. And he was one of the spies that was sent by the hand of God, amen. But there were also 11 other spies. Why wasn't it one of them that was chosen, amen, to lead the next level and the next generation uh, it could be that he came back and he did not have an evil report like 10 of the spies he had a good report from the Lord everybody else could see the Giants but it was Joshua and Caleb that came back with giant grapes everybody else saw the problems but it was Joshua and Caleb that saw the potential can I just stop right here and tell you that if we are going to be at the very tip of the spear of what God is looking to lead his church into, we've got to be a group of people that are able to see potential. <laughs> Praise God. There's a lot of people that can see problems. You line them up, everybody knows the problem. But the question is, does anybody have a solution? Does anybody see a potential of what could be? I, I, I got a lot of people, amen, that, that want to let me know everything that's wrong in the church. But I got a question, church. Is there anybody left, uh, amen, that can say we see what could be? We see what God can do. I want to tell you that's a group that God's looking to use. People that see potential. People that see opportunity, not just opposition. God's looking for people that will rise up and say, we are well able. If God be with us, if God be for us, then who and what can stand against us? Hallelujah. Somebody clap your hands and give him praise. I want the faith of Joshua and Caleb that says if God is with us, we are able to do it. Oh, somebody praise him. Hallelujah. Amen. He was one of two that had a good report. But why wasn't it Caleb and not Joshua? And I would just venture to say that from my perspective, Caleb was a good man. Caleb, and we, there's a lot of preach about Caleb. He was a good man with a good report. But when you look at the life of Caleb, and we preach about it, and it's good preaching that at the end of it all, he marched into the promised land. And as an old man, he said, give me my mountain. And I think that's good. But something about that lets me know what Caleb was focused on. Caleb was a good man with a good report that wanted to get into a good land because he wanted to obtain a promise. And I think that's a powerful thing. He wanted to get his mountain. And, and there's something to that that I would never try to bring Caleb down. But I do think there's something to that. He has focused his energies and his life and everything that he has on obtaining a mountain for himself. In order to be a leader of the next move of God, a church that is leading into the next move of God, 
We cannot have a mentality that says, what is in it for me? Oh, hallelujah. We can't have a mentality that says, I just want to get what's mine. And if everybody else doesn't, that's not between me anyways. I, I think there's got to be somebody like Joshua who steps above and beyond that and is not just concerned with obtaining himself a mountain. Again, nothing wrong with Caleb and his desire for that. But I think to be a leader of the next wave, of the next move, uh, we got to help everybody get their mountain. <laughs> We got to help everybody walk around the walls of Jericho. We got to walk arm in arm to make sure everybody in Israel gets the land that God has promised to them. It's got to be a group and a generation and a church that is not absorbed with self, but is selfless, not selfish. That's all about helping everybody else. And when you help everybody else, you get your mountain. When you help everybody else, you get your promises. When you help everybody else, you get the revival that God has promised to you as well. Somebody clap your hands and love him. Oh, come on. That feels good. Let's love him all across this building. I want to be a part of that next generation, that next wave. Next generation doesn't just mean age, but that next wave of thought. Amen. That next Pentecost I preach about on Sunday that says, God, I want to help everybody else get there too. I want you to know I'm not just interested in coming, amen, and being blessed myself. I want everybody to be blessed. I'm not just interested in having a personal revival, but I want everybody in the church to have a revival. I want everybody to experience the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And that means I gotta be willing to fight for my brother, not with my brother. I gotta be willing to link up arm in arm and say, We are well able. Let's do it together. Oh, somebody praise him. Hallelujah. Amen. It couldn't have been Caleb because that wasn't the defining feature that God was looking for. It certainly couldn't have been Korah. Korah thought, I, you know, well, I'm, I, I hear from God too. And so he tried to boot Moses out of his position because he thought that, that the position was all glitz and glamour. But, but even Moses could tell you he was stressed out until his father-in-law gave him some good advice. And, and, and Korah thought, well, I hear from God too, and I'm anointed too. And so he thought that his, he was going to be able to take over and, and really strong-arm himself into that position. Amen. But he tried to take it over by rebellion. He tried to take over something that was not to be taken over. It was something that was to be earned. It was something that was to be, amen, worked for and worked on. But Korah thought he could get a shortcut. And I want to tell the church, if we're going to be everything that God is calling us to be, we can't take any shortcuts. Amen. If we're going to have the revival that God has promised to us, we've got to keep our spirit right. <laughs> Come on, Cora. We got to keep our spirit right. We got to keep our mind right. We got to say, Lord, I want to get there, but it matters how I get there as much as getting there. Hallelujah. I know some people that, that through the years have said, well, I'm going to be this and I'm going to be that and I'm going to be anointed and I'm going to do all these different things. And they, they decided that that was what they were going to do. And, 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 and inevitably, they were offered the same thing everybody's offered. Jesus, amen, in Matthew chapter 4 was offered it. It's called a shortcut. You can have all of that without a cross, Jesus. 
You can have all of that. Turn these stones into bread. You don't got to starve yourself. You don't need to go through discomfort. Amen. You can go ahead and step off this, this, this cliff and, and nothing, they won't hurt you. You can step off the temple and the angel will take care of you. You can live a reckless life and it won't matter. And, and he tried to offer him a shortcut that if you stand on this mountain, I'll give you all of this if you bow down to me. You got to be careful, amen, of the enemy's shortcut offers that if you just take a left instead of taking a right that God told you to take, you'll get there a little quicker. But I've not seen one person, amen, ever take a shortcut and get there, amen, the way that God intended them to get there. I've seen people schmooze their way into position, and, and I always put it this way, if you schmooze, you lose. And, and they shake the right hand, and they think, if I, if I can rub my shoulders next to this person, then I will get somewhere. I want to tell you that if you ever get somewhere, amen, without the help of God, you're going to have to maintain where you are without the help of God. But if the Lord exalts you, you can walk in faith. You can walk in assurance. It wasn't you. It wasn't that person that put you there. It was the hand of the Lord. And you know who put you there. And only God can take you out of there. Somebody clap your hands and give him praise. Oh, let's lift up our hands and let's love him. Come on, there's people that want to go to the next level in God, but you got to get there the right way. We've got to get there with the right attitude, with the right spirit. God wants to elevate. God wants to bless. God wants to use. But we've got to get there the right way. Amen. Exodus 17 and 10. Let's talk about Joshua again. The Bible says, So Joshua did as Moses had said unto him, and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. We see some character coming out of Joshua. Joshua did as Moses had said unto him. I think there's something to be said for obedience. That in order to be a good leader, you've got to be a good follower. You can't get the crown without, without first going through the right steps and the right path. Amen. Uh, and, and the only way that somebody gets a crown without earning it is the Bible says that we strive, but we've got to strive lawfully. And we've got to work according to the rules that we would be crowned lawfully. But, but this Joshua, he did as Moses had said unto him. I want you to notice that he didn't just do what Moses said. He did it as Moses said it unto him. He wasn't just trying to figure out what he thought was best. But he was attentive. He was obedient. He was submitted. He was paying attention. And he did that which was right. Amen. But he also went and he was a fighter. In order to be a leader, you got to be willing to fight. Not fight against people, but fight for people. Amen. There's going to be people, the Bible says, that you got to instruct those that oppose themselves. And too often you got to fight people out of fighting themselves. And you got to help people realize. Amen. That they don't got to do battle with what God is trying to do in their life. Amen. And, and this Joshua did as Moses said unto him. He fought against the enemy. He had, he had his enemy, amen, in the right target, if you will. He knew who his enemy was. Amen. But this did not make him any different than anybody else based on just that. Because other people did as Moses asked. And other people fought in that battle as well. And so what was it that made him different? Exodus 17 and 14. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Amen. God, for some reason, wanted his word rehearsed to Joshua. 
But there were other people that had gotten the word of God rehearsed to them. In fact, the entire book of Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. It was rehearsed to everybody. And so his knowledge of the word of God wasn't necessarily what set him apart. But I believe that our text today was the moment that defined Joshua forever. Exodus 33 and 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again unto the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. I believe that it was this moment that forever changed Joshua. It was this attitude that God was looking for. That while everybody else was in their tent and they were worshiping the Lord and doing what was right, there was something a little bit different about Joshua. That even when Moses left the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, it was Joshua that said, Moses, i got to hang out here for a little while. Moses had to go, but Joshua said, I've got to hang out here at the tent. There was something in the mind of Joshua that was not finished when everybody else was finished. That wasn't done praying when everybody else was done praying. That wasn't done feeling the presence of God when everybody else was done feeling the presence of God that wasn't done worshiping when everybody else was done worshiping there was something about Joshua that when everybody else went back to their daily business he was drawn to the tent there was something in that tent that Joshua could not escape oh somebody lift up your hands and love him come on let's praise the Lord for just a moment Somebody pray in the name of Jesus. If we're going to be at the very tip of what God is doing, I want you to know that there, there's a lot of things we could talk about, about the good of Joshua and the bad of others. But the truth is there's one defining moment that everybody's got to get. We've got to become content with the tent of the Lord. We've got to get to that place where nothing else matters than being in God's presence. Oh, let's love him. This was not just a one-time occurrence for Joshua. The Bible says in Exodus 24 and 13, And Moses rose up and his minister, Joshua. And Moses went up into the mount of God. Everybody else stayed at the base of the mountain. And they told Moses, you go up and you talk to God for us. And you bring us back a good word. You bring us back a good report. But there was a young man by the name of Joshua. Unfortunately, doesn't list Caleb in this moment. There was something in the heart of Joshua that followed Moses as far up the mountain as Moses would let him and as far up the mountain as God would let him. You know what it was? There was something in the heart of Joshua that says, I gotta be close to God. I gotta be close to the voice of God. I gotta be close to the man of God. I gotta be close to the word of God. I've gotta get myself closer. I gotta get in the tent. I gotta get up the mountain. I'm not satisfied down here with everybody else. I gotta climb up higher. Oh, somebody give him praise. Somebody give him praise. Moses. Went up the mountain and talked with God. 
But Joshua followed as close as he could. And although he was not at that moment because he was in the Old Testament, he was not able to get a direct word from God in that moment. He was able to get the echo of God. You better believe it. He wasn't able to be in the very cloud, but he got right there as close to the cloud as he could. And I want to tell you, in this generation, you don't have to get as close to the cloud. You can get in the cloud. You want to know why we celebrated Pentecost? The Bible says we now have access by his spirit. Amen. I want you to know that when Jesus gave up the ghost and he poured it out on the day of Pentecost, we at one time who were not a people are now the people of God. We at one point who had no access, access has been granted. And we might have had to stay at the base of the mountain, at the bottom of the cloud. We can now come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy. Somebody praise him. I'm thankful for that. Are you thankful for that? If you're thankful, why don't you worship the Lord? I'm thankful I can get all the way in the cloud. Oh, somebody worship him for just a moment. I feel, I feel the Holy Ghost. Joshua couldn't get in the cloud, but he could be by the cloud. He couldn't get a direct word, but he could be by the word. He, he couldn't go where Moses went, but he went as close as he could. There's something about Joshua. He heard the echoes of God. Because he sought for closeness, he heard the echoes of God and the echoes of Moses. He got the echo of God and the echo of the man of God. It was in that moment because he desired. He was, everybody else was down at the base. I, I want this to get through. Everybody else was at the base of the mountain. And, 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 and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but there's levels, if you will, in living for God doesn't make anybody better than anybody else uh, but the question is uh, what part of the mountain do you want to be on oh, hallelujah what part of the mountain are you content with are you content being down with everybody else melting down your jewelry just so you can turn it into something else to worship amen they were down there having a party they were drinking they were getting all messed up they were acting religious but not being right with God and they were okay with staying down at the base of the mountain not having to hear the echo of God or the man of God they were okay being there in the wilderness out of Egypt but not not quite in the promised land out of Egypt but not in the presence of God they were content to be right down there but not Joshua Joshua said you can have carnality you can have your sports you can have your movies you can have all your other things that you worship that you say you don't worship amen but I decided for myself I'm gonna give myself a life that searches for God a life that pursues God a life that's content with the tent a life that climbs up the mountain a life of elevation a life that does not settle for status quo a life that strives for more oh somebody clap your hands and worship him Come on, I feel that. I feel there's some people here tonight that's been your heart's desire. I'm not just looking to go to church and go through any motions, if there be any motions. But I want to go as high as God wants to let me go. I want to get as close as I can be. Praise God. Joshua wanted closeness. He was content with the tent. He didn't have the parties everybody else had. He didn't have the fellowships that everybody else had, if I could put it that way. They weren't very godly fellowships, but they were fellowships nonetheless. He wasn't in the crowd like everybody else. 
But that is what separates somebody, amen, being a leader and somebody just being part of the crowd. Amen. Somebody who's part of the crowd has to be willing to go away from the crowd, has to be willing to step out of it all and say, I will go a little further. There's got to be a Peter, James, and John that, that, that not all the other disciples really wanted to go with Jesus. But there was a Peter, James, and John that says, if you're going up the mountain, I want to go up the mountain. If you're going to be in, if you're going to be in that presence, I I want to be in that presence. If you're going to experience Elijah and Moses up on that mountain, I want to experience Elijah and Moses. There's got to be somebody that says, I don't care what Judas says. I don't care what Matthew says. Everybody else in my group and in my clan, they can say what they want, but I want to get into the tent. I want to get into the presence of God. I want to know him for myself. Let's love him. I'm almost done preaching, but I want to help somebody. Let's pray. I believe this is somebody's heart cry tonight. May not be everybody's. In fact, I came fully intended, hoping that there would be a majority, but I don't know because Joshua wasn't the majority. He was a minority. Amen. Not everybody is willing to do what Joshua was willing to do. Let me preach about some people that, that, that when it came to the tent, when it came to prayer, when it came to getting in the presence of God, something stopped them. We could look at Adam all the way back in the book of Genesis, and God comes looking for him in the cool of the day and God says where art thou Adam in other words God found him missing during their walk and I hope it's never said that when God wanted to take a walk with us that we walked away that when God was looking to be in our presence we didn't want to be in his presence I hope it's never said that we are so consumed with everything else and not consumed with that walk that we get discontent with walking with him we start looking for other things to entertain. We start looking for other things to fill. We start looking for other things to satisfy our mind. We like to talk about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We like to talk about it in a way as if the tree was evil or the fruit itself was evil. But that's not the case. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He was supposed to be walking with God. But instead, amen, instead of going and being content with that walk. Instead of being content with being in the presence of God. Instead of being content with the tent, if you will. He became consumed with gaining more information. With gaining more knowledge. It became more about getting a mental ascent than it did with getting in the presence of God. But I want to help somebody. It was a tree of two things. The knowledge of good and of evil. Can I preach it this way? Filling our brains with anything superfluous, anything extra, extra information, extra entertainment. Some people say, well, preacher, is it sin? It's not a question of whether it'll send you to hell. The question is, does it bring you closer to your walk with God? Does it help you get in the tent? Does it help you get in the presence of the Lord? Oh, somebody praise him. I know too many people that they only said it was the bad things that will keep people out of the presence of God. But I've found that there's some good things. Sometimes it's things that are not wrong. Things that we start filling our mind with. And, and sometimes there are things we have to get taken care of. We've got to pay bills. We've got to go to the store. We've got a lot of things. There's some good things that we've got to do. And we fill ourselves with those good things. But even too much of a good thing can become a bad 
bad thing. Proverbs says honey's good. Honey's delicious. But too much of it will upset your stomach. And there's too many good people, well-intending people, with upset stomachs in the church that have filled themselves with everything else. And it's because somewhere along the lines, they became discontent with the tent. And it no longer satisfied. And it no longer filled the way they thought and felt they should be filled. And so they went looking for something extra. Oh, somebody love it. Come on, let's lift up our hands. Come on. We got to be content with the tent. You can fill your life with all sorts of things. You can fill your mind with all sorts of things. You can fill your spirit with all sorts of things. Good, bad, and in the middle. But the question is, has it stopped you from being content with what you have in the presence of God? Oh, somebody pray. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Hallelujah. Somebody pray. God, have I become discontent with your presence? Have I become discontent with my prayer life? Have I become discontent with my walk with God? Have I found other things that are more enticing? Have I found other things that are easier to consume? Have I found other things that satiate a little faster? You see, the tent doesn't fill you as fast. That's why Joshua hung out. It doesn't seem to... It doesn't seem to, if he was full at that very moment, he would have got up and left like everybody else. But he said, Lord, I got room for more. I got room for more. Yes, it's easy to hop on a cell phone and scroll through social media. There's some good things, I'm sure. I haven't found a whole lot of it. And there's a bunch of other junk and a bunch of other bad things and everything in between. And it's easy to flip through uh, the news channel. It's easy to flip through what the current events are. And, and, and you get so full of all those other things. And before it's all said and done, you're filled up on all of that and there's no room for God's presence and, and I don't really have a need to pray because I feel like I've filled up on all this information. We've got to become careful because we've got to make sure we don't become discontent with what God offers. It's possible to get so full on fear and so full on anxiety and so full on all the other things and, and, and we start getting filled up with that, uh, that God is offering us peace and God is offering us joy and God is offering us. The Bible says that in his presence, at the tent, if you will, there is fullness of joy, uh, but we're looking for fun. Uh, God's given us joy, but we're looking for happiness. Uh, God's trying to offer us joy and we're all searching for all these other things, uh, good, bad, and indifferent and God's saying I want you to come back to my walk I want you to come back to my tent I want you to come back to my cloud that was the issue with Esau Esau didn't want God's tent he didn't want to be a man of the tents the Bible says Jacob was a man of the tents you know why Esau didn't want that tent because they talked about God in that tent they talked about the promises of God in that tent. They told Esau, Esau, God's got potential for you. God's got a promise for you. The Bible should have read the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. And they told him, you serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. And every day in that tent, every time he got in the presence of the Lord, he would be reminded of his identity and of his purpose. But it got uncomfortable. It wasn't something he wanted. He started getting discontent 
with the tent. And so the Bible says he started going out into the wilderness. And, 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 and I would even put it this way. The Bible says he became a hunter. He became an archer. But let me ask you this. What was another archer real close to him? It was his uncle by the name of Ishmael who was an archer. In other words, he got discontent with the tent of God and the tent of God's people. He started going over to Uncle Ishmael's house. And Ishmael said, oh, you think you're the firstborn. You think you're the first one God's made false promises to. And Ishmael started giving him all of his venom. And Ishmael started giving him all of his junk. Can I preach to you when you get discontent with the tent of God's presence and God's word and God's people, you start going off to other tents where they start spitting venom and they start poisoning. Amen. What you got going on. And before it's all said and done, Esau died a profane man not finding repentance. But it all started with how he felt about the tent where God's presence was. Oh, somebody lift up your hands. Let's stand all across the building. Come on. I don't think there's any Esau's in the building today, but just in case there are, amen, you've got to learn to become content with the tent of God's presence. You've got to learn to say, God, I'm satisfied with your presence. I'm satisfied with the good things that you provide. I don't need all this other stuff. Somebody pray. Somebody pray in the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Come on. There's something about praying, Joshua. There's something about being in the presence of God. There's something about being in the tent of God's presence, the tent of meeting, that tabernacle. There's something about being where the blood is. There's something about being where sacrifice is. There's something about being where the Shekinah glory of God is that nothing else satisfies, that nothing else fills. I've become content with the tent of God. We could talk about Moses. Moses came to the tent. He came to the tent just like Joshua. He's a good man. But he had to leave. He had to leave to deal with Israel. Let me just talk to the leaders for a moment. As leaders, we do have to remember our responsibilities. But we can't forget the tent. Amen. I know too many good preachers and ex-pastors that if you ask them what happened, in fact, there was a man that helped work on my pastor, and uh, some might know him, and he was anointed, and he, he went out and left his family and all this stuff. That's a story, unfortunately, we all, we all have heard too many times. One day, my pastor was painting a multi-million dollar home when he had his painting business in Sacramento. And as he was painting it, this man walked in with some people he shouldn't have been with. And he got down off that ladder, took off his face mask and said, what happened? And with tears in that man's eyes, he said, you know what? I blamed a lot of people. I blamed the pastor. I blamed the church. I blamed this. He goes, but you know the honest truth is he said, Brother Rick, that's what he called him back then. He said, I just stopped praying. I just stopped getting in the presence of God. And this man's life turned upside down 
from being one of the most anointed men my pastor's ever met to no longer even being in the church of the living God. As leaders, we can, we can, we can sing, we can preach, we can play, we can, we can pray for people, we can invite people, we can do all sorts of things. And I believe everybody in the church would fit into this category. Everybody that's baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, you're a leader and you may not know it, but we've got to make sure that we never lose that moment in the tent. Moses, you might have been able to enter in if you'd have stayed in the tent. Moses started getting angry because he didn't find time for the tent. But let me just preach for a moment. That's for the leaders. But as saints as we are, we're all saints. As saints, it's much easier to go to Moses for an answer than to go to the tent. It is quicker to call up somebody else, a leader, a pastor, a friend, and get a quick word than it is to go to the tent and to seek God. But but church, we cannot lose the tent. We might have, and I want you to know I'm grateful. My door is always open. My phone's always, amen, available for a text or a phone call. But, but before we go and we start looking for the quick answer and the quick response from another individual, from another man or woman, we've got to spend time in that tent tent we got to spend time in that tent somebody lift up their hands and let's pray come on in the name of Jesus come on it's easy it would be easy to get discontent it would be easy to get just it takes more work it's it's not always as much fun amen praying and having a prayer life it's not as easy as as maybe getting together with everybody else and worshiping together but there's something about spending time in that tent all by yourself that'll make a leader out of you Joshua that'll make an anointed individual out of you Joshua that'll make a, somebody that can withstand hard times Joshua the son of Nun departed not from the tent the tabernacle everybody else can do what they want but I'm content with being in God's presence if there's never a program if it all went away I'm content with the tent if there's never another good preaching, I'm content with the tent. If there's never another song I like, I'm content with the tent. If there's nobody ever shake my hand or hug my neck, I'm content with the tent. If, if there's never another fellowship, I, I'm content with the tent. I, I don't need everything else. That's all good and I love it. But if there's nothing else, I am satisfied being in the tent. I'm done preaching. I want you to lift up your hands and let's pray. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, somebody pray. Somebody pray. Don't forget the beauty of a prayer life. Don't forget the beauty of just being able to get in God's presence with no one else around. Even you have a tent, it might be in your car, it might be at your home. You got a tent with God's presence. You got a tent where the tabernacle is, and you can pray and you can seek the face of God, and it can make something out of you. I want to open up this altar. Would you come? If you feel comfortable, I want you to come and give everybody some room, but find a place at this altar and come pray.
I know it's easy to lose satisfaction with the tent because there's always something new and flashy. There's always a tree of knowledge of good and evil that's that's looks so desirable. There's always something else. There's always an Ishmael that's telling you, you don't need to do that. That's a waste of time. There's always that voice in the back of your head, Moses, that says you got other things you gotta do. You got you gotta go and you gotta do this and you gotta take care of that. But but there's gotta be something in the heart of the Joshua's in the house of the Lord that says, I want the tent if I have nothing else I'll have the tent if I don't have anything else I have the tent if I don't have anything else I have a prayer life if I lose everything else I gotta walk with God if everything seems to run and and it phases out of my life I've got a tent somebody pray in the name of Jesus That's what God's looking for in a church. It's not, it's not numerics. It's not money. It's not talent. It's people that have said, I'm content with the tent. It's a church that says, I'm content with a prayer life. Somebody turn your chair into an altar. Come on, maybe you've seen yourself stepping away from the tent of a prayer life for a while. We've been teaching about prayer. We've been preaching about prayer. And you feel that tug. You feel like God's pulling on you. Joshua, you got a Joshua's heart, man. You got a Joshua's heart, ma'am. You got to let it pull you into that tabernacle. You got to let it pull you into that prayer life and say, I'll never leave. Jesus, I'll be satisfied with you. Jesus, I'll be satisfied.